following message is presented by First Baptist Church of Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Now the message. If you have your Bibles this evening, we'll be in Second Chronicles chapter 20. I haven't really defined an, our next uh, book that we'll be going through. Uh, I want to look at... Um, Next weekend's Father's Day anyway. We won't have services on Sunday evening. And then the following Sunday, we'll do some more outreach and visitation. Uh, and I plan on doing that at least every other Sunday evening uh, in place of our worship services. And I, I think that's what we need to do is, is be out in the community and let people know uh, that we're here. We're here for them. And, and we want to reach out to them. So um, as far as our next study goes, it might be uh, random topics on Sunday nights, but tonight it is victory through praise. Uh, and as I continue to just relish on what happened over this past week, I, my heart is just full of praise for the Lord and thanking Him for all that He's done. And so that word all, A-L-L, when you think about it um, in terms of Scripture, what does it mean? We, we've talked this week about the ABCs of salvation how that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, several times in the New Testament, the word A-L-L is used. And so if I tell you I'm going to give you all of something, what does that mean? That means I'm going to give you every last bit. If I tell you I'm going to pour all of this water into this glass, uh, you're not going to expect me to stop short of the contents in this bottle and leave any remaining. If I tell you I'm going to pour all of this in there, that means I'm going to give every last bit of it until it is empty and gone and there is no more. That's basic definition, basic demonstration of the word all. Uh, Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. That means every last one of us have. But 1 John chapter 1 also says that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all of our sins. So if the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all of our sins, how many are left? None. So there are no sins for anything else or anyone else to take away. Now, basic principle found in the Old Testament, you may not see it written word for word as I'm fixing to say it, but God wants all of our praise. He wants all of our adoration and he wants all of the glory because he is a jealous God. Exodus 20, verse 3, the very first of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. That means he wants all of the glory, all of the praise, and everything that we have, all the attention that we have focused on him. He would go on further to say in Exodus 34, 14, for you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Why does God want all of the glory? Why does God want all of the praise? Because if we don't give it all to him, that means that there's some left for someone else or something else along the way. King Jehoshaphat is a very interesting character, uh, one of the good kings of the tribe of Judah and nation of Judah. At the time he reigned, uh, Palestine, the, the whole nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom was Israel. The southern kingdom was Judah, of which Jehoshaphat was king of. 
So his father before him, King Asa, was a good king as well. And I think King Asa taught his son a lot of very good aspects on giving God all of the glory, all of the honor, and all the praise. Because the story that we read tonight in chapter 20 of Second Chronicles shows exactly how devoted he was to the Lord, how obedient he was to the Lord as well. And he gives us some very important steps on how we can obtain victory in our life just by giving God all of our praise. So the first thing that you need to know about obtaining victory through praise, we see this in the passage here itself in verses 1 and 2. Number one is identify your true enemies. We see that there are several enemies that come up against Judah and King Jehoshaphat. They are aimed primarily at the city of Jerusalem. Verses 1 and 2, it says, It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then came, uh, then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazan Tamar, which is in Gedi. So the sea it's talking about is the Dead Sea. The enemy was coming up from the south and it was going to flank Jerusalem on its eastern side. In Gedi, you, you recognize that. That is where David spared Saul's life. David had went to hide in the caves and there in the back of a cave. Saul had given David all the opportunity to take his life. David spared his life in, in Gedi. But here we see that the first step that Jehoshaphat it comes across is identifying who his true enemies are. So these are enemies of the past. These aren't new enemies. These aren't enemies that they have generated since Jehoshaphat has become king. These are enemies that Moses and the Israelites failed to run out when they start marching towards the promised land. These are enemies that uh, Joshua and the children of Israel failed to run out and annihilate completely when they were taken over the promised land. So what are some of the enemies from your past? Have you properly identified the things that you battle against each and every day? We all have enemies from our past. Could be an enemy of procrastination. That's me. I'm I'm starting off with my own enemies here. I'm not going to step on anybody else's toes but my own. Could be the enemy of procrastination. Could be the enemy of slothfulness. I don't think we've seen any slothfulness around here this past week. Everybody has been getting it. They've been doing their uh, assigned job and doing it well, and the mission was accomplished. Could be the enemy of anger. Could be the enemy of lust. Could be the enemy of pornography. Could be the enemy of alcohol. Could be the enemy of tobacco. Could be the enemy of food. Sometimes we overindulge way more than we should. Those enemies from the past sometimes come back to haunt us, especially when we don't give God full control over this situation. So know who your enemies are. You also need to know who is on your side as well. You need to know who is praying for you and who will step up and go to battle for you and with you as well. So at this time... Uh, Jehoshaphat had established himself uh, as a king to be feared. If you turn over a page or two in chapter 17, 
Uh, these enemies here that are coming up against me, I don't know what caused them to come up against King Jehoshaphat and Jerusalem and Judah. But as soon as Jehoshaphat began his reign in, in Jerusalem and Judah, chapter 17, verses 10 through 13 says this. It says that the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands. There, there's that word all again. Uh, that were around Judah. So that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. And some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents in silver as tribute. If you remember the Philistines, that is where uh, Goliath was from. And now they are bringing gifts and tributes to King Jehoshaphat in Judah. And the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built fortresses and storage cities in Judah. He had much property in the cities of Judah and the men of war, mighty men of valor, were in Jerusalem. So we see that he was a force to be reckoned with. He was a bad dude. He was known. His reputation was far and wide in the land. But yet these groups that we see listed here in verse 2, these enemies of the past come up against him and he properly identified his enemies first. So what is the first steps? Does he panic? Does he sit around all night wringing his hands in fear and terror and panic? No, absolutely not. Because of what he has been taught by his father, what he has seen in his father and what he has experienced by watching his father and his reign as king, he puts that into practice. He knew that his father was a godly man. He brought about reformations in the city that brought the people back to the Lord. So what are the first things, the first steps that Jehoshaphat takes? I think it's the first step that we need to take anytime we come up against an enemy of the past. Point number two, seek God's will first. Jehoshaphat had all the armies. He had all the mighty men of valor. He probably had chariots, shields, spears, swords, catapults, anything you could think of that could be used against a war. But what did Jehoshaphat do first and foremost? Verse number three, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. He sought God's will first. And a lot of times that's where we make our biggest mistake at is we want to do it ourselves. We don't rely upon the strength of the Lord. We don't praise God ahead of time before going into battle or knowing that a time of weakness has come. He set himself to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. He knew that this was a situation that was so severe that he didn't need to undergo the proper steps all by himself. He was wanting to include everybody in his kingdom that was under his authority to proclaim a fast and really seek the Lord's will on this matter. So they followed suit. Verse 4 says, So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. What did David write in the book of Psalms? I will lift up mine eyes to the hills where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. So you seek your enemy first. You, you identify who your true enemies are. And then you seek the will of the Lord 
as your first and foremost line of defense. So there's absolutely no mention by the chronicle here of Jehoshaphat assembling an army. There's no mention of him gathering the chariots. There's no mention of him checking his budget. Do we have enough money to support this war? There's no mention of him seeing that they had enough weapons for this battle. There's no mention of him fortifying the walls of the city in preparation of the enemy that's coming. Very first thing he did was seek God's will and then get his entire kingdom and those under his influence involved in seeking God's will in the matter. What did he do first? He feared, he seeked, he proclaimed a fast, and he brought his need before the Lord and also got his people involved. Perhaps this is what Jesus was thinking about in Matthew 6, 33, when he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things shall be added unto you. So when you go down your checklist of priorities, is that the top thing that you do? When you go to buy a car, purchase a home, decide on who you're going to marry, who's going to be uh, first and foremost in your relationships, any major decision in your life, is that the number one priority is to seek first? What is God's will in this matter? That's what Jehoshaphat did. And we're going to see here in just a moment how this battle ended up and what the Lord told him to do. Not only do we need to identify our true enemies, not only do we need to seek God's will first, but the lessons that Jehoshaphat learned and the lessons that he's implementing, the strategy that he's taking here, came by seeing his father Asa live out his faith. Point number three, to have victory through praise, you need to live out your faith. Not just talk about it, not just mention it, but actually give the evidence to others around you that I'm going to seek God's wills first in every matter. Before every meal, I'm going to praise the Lord for this food that is on my table. When God blesses me, I don't know where it came from. I acknowledge him as the one true source of all of my provisions, my strength, my life, my health. I'm going to live out my faith in a way that everyone around me, especially those under my household and under my influence in my family, will see that I'm earnest about seeking the Lord first in all that I do. So Jehoshaphat, his, his prayer is recorded right here. He prays it openly in the assembly. Verses 5 through 10, it says, Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven and do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. He's not questioning God's authority. He's not questioning God's existence. He is stating it plainly and clearly before all the people. Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel? And gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever. And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us. Now, this part should be very, very familiar. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. If disaster comes upon us, sword, 
judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple. And cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Where did he learn how to pray like this? These prayers, both of them, are incorporated from what the Lord told Solomon at the dedication of the temple, and also from his father Asa when Asa was in somewhat of a familiar, similar situation. Second Chronicles chapter 14, verse 11. These are the very words of his father, King Asa. So then Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help, whether you uh, whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. In 2 Chronicles 7, verses 12 through 16, that's what Solomon That's what the Lord told Solomon at the dedication of the temple. He said, uh, if my people who are called upon my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. He says, there's going to be times when pestilence comes among you. There's going to be times when locusts will devour your land. He said, there's going to be times when people come up against you with swords. He said, but if my people called by my name will humble themselves and seek and pray my face, uh, Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their lands. All of these things were written and recorded for King Jehoshaphat to relish upon, to learn from, for both King Solomon and King Asa, his father. So if you don't think that living out your faith has an impact on the generations behind you, think again. Because they learn very important lessons by the way you walk, the way you pray, the way you study. The things that you set priority on. Helping others, attending church, being involved. They see those things. They know what's important to you. And those things become important to their lives as well. So all these steps that Jehoshaphat is taking, seeking God's will first, he learned that from his father, and from some of the other good kings before him. Next, what did he do? He stood on God's promises, just like we sang a few moments ago. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear sail, by the living word of God, I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Verses 11 through 13, listen at what King Jehoshaphat said. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. There's the promise right there. God said, this is your land. This is your city. I'm giving it to you, and it's not for anyone else. And Jehoshaphat is simply stating back to God what he had already promised. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? What has God said about his enemies? He says, I'm going to wipe out my enemies. Their face will be before you no more. 
Jehoshaphat is simply stating back to God what he has already promised. For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. Don't miss this part. Underline this. But our eyes are upon you. In other words, I see clearly what's written in your word. I see the history of my fathers before me. I see the victories. Some of them have been strange. Some of them we haven't even had to lift up a sword. Some of them we marched around the city until the walls fell down. Sometimes Moses would hold up the rod and we'd be victorious. But right now, Lord, our eyes are upon you. We're seeking you first. I've seen my father live out his faith. I've seen him be victorious. I've seen you give him the victories before. And now I'm going to stand on these promises. This is not our land. This is your land. These are not our enemies, Lord. These are your enemies. We're not trusting in our power, Lord. We're trusting in your power. Did you catch that? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Seems like that's what I would say every morning when it was lining up for BBS. Uh Uh-oh, here they come. I, I don't have the power to contain them. I don't have the power to control them. But Lord, I'm trusting in you to give us the power. We're t- tired. Our patience is run thin. But we know that this is what you want us to do. We've sought your will in the matter. We're being faithful to what you called us to do. And we're going to stand on the promise that you're going to give us the strength and endurance. And the harvest from what's going on here. Then you pray with assurance. Point number five. Verses 14 through 17. After Jehoshaphat petitioned his prayer to the Lord. After he humbly set his face toward the Lord. After he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. What did he do? He gave God the praise ahead of time. Jehoshaphat took his hands off of it. He said, God, I can't do this, but I know that you can. And I'm going to give you the praise right now for you fulfilling your promises, for doing what you said you would do, and being faithful to us through everything. And just like that, God answered his prayers. There's two four-letter words in this next passage that we're going to read. These are good four-letter words. These are four-letter words that you should circle and highlight And keep your eyes on every time they pop up in Scripture. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mathaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. God heard his prayer. And then he came through with an answer right away. Jehoshaphat had set his face toward the Lord. He said, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. I've called everybody that I can think of. We're fasting over the matter. God, we need an answer and we need it quick because our enemy is coming upon us. And almost immediately, the way the Chronicle writes this, 
Almost immediately the answer came. Through this prophet, this man named Jehaziel. Verse 15, and he said, listen, all you of Judah and your inhabitants of Jerusalem and you, King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord. Anytime you see that in scripture, you better mark it down. You better write it down because if thus says the Lord is in there, it's going to happen. It has happened and it will happen. And whenever you get a word from the Lord, whenever thus says the Lord comes into your life, you can bank on it. God has heard your prayer. He's answered you. Someone has gotten an answer. You need to pay attention to it. Thus says the Lord to you. Look at the first words that he says. Do not be afraid. Nor dismayed because of this great multitude. Here's usually where we get it wrong at. For the battle is not yours. But God's. Most of the times we think we were all alone. Most of the times we think we've got to go into this battle as the lone ranger. We come in with pistols blaring. We think we got it. We think we're strong enough. We think we're tough enough. And we usually end up falling flat on our face. But the Lord comes to Jehoshaphat through Jehaziel, this prophet. He said, don't be afraid. Don't worry, don't be dismayed because this is not your battle. This is my battle. God said, they aren't coming against you. They're coming against me and I've got this. And that's the assurance that he wants us to live with as well. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Here's what you do, verse 16. Tomorrow, go down against them. They will surely come up by the ascent of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. And these next words should be very familiar. It's just like what Moses said when they stood at the Red Sea with the Egyptian army closing in on them. Position yourselves. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. When you pray with assurance, you know that God already has the battle under control. You know that he already has the plan. He already has the answer to your prayer. Thus says the Lord, whenever that comes up, you can bank on that. God is going to make it happen. Verse 17, position yourself. Are you intentionally positioning yourself to seek your eyes and keep your eyes upon the Lord? See the salvation of the Lord. And he said, you don't have to do a thing. You don't have to lift a sword. You don't, have, you don't even have to hook up your horses to the chariot because I've got this. You're not going to have to fight because this battle is mine. It's not yours. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Psalms 46.10, David writes, Be still and know 
that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted on the earth. So how often do we stand around just kind of wringing our hands over a situation instead of having that calm assurance and the peace that surpasses all understanding? Far too often, I'm afraid. It's far too often that we fail to praise the Lord in advance for the victory that he's going to give us. And far too often we fail to reflect upon those past victories and just praise him. God, I know you've done it before. You're the same God today, yesterday, and forever. You never change, so I know you're going to do it again. So what does Jehoshaphat do? He humbly trusts in the Lord's plan. Step number six. To have that victory through praise, you need to humbly trust in the Lord's plan. Look at what Jehoshaphat did. The most powerful man on the face of the earth right here, right now. Every nation around him feared him. He could have been bold. He could have been proud. He could have walked in with a chip on his shoulder. He could have said, my father before me has has won major victories and I know God's going to do it again. But that's not what Jehoshaphat did. And Jehoshaphat bowed down his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. They gained the victory through praising God first. They praised God ahead of what was going on. At a time when they should have been panicking, at a time when they should have been assembling the troops, Sounding the, the trumpets to, to charge and face the enemy. Jehoshaphat, the king, can you imagine a king getting that low to the ground and humbling himself before the Lord and trusting in his plan? Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And the first step that I'm going to take is I'm going to pray and I'm going to bow down and I'm going to seek your face. And then everybody in the entire nation followed suit. They were praising the Lord in advance for the victory that God was going to give them. Because thus says the Lord, don't be afraid or dismayed for the battle is not yours. Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with voices loud and high. Remember the story of our one leper that returned to Jesus this morning? That's exactly what he did. He lifted his voice up, praising the Lord and thanking him for what he had done. And that's the exact picture that you see here. The worshipers are standing up. Instead of the soldiers sharpening their spears and their sword, getting ready to go to battle, they start a worship service. Now don't miss this next part, verse 20. So they rose early in the morning. (laughs) They had gotten an answer from the Lord. God had promised them that they were going to get a victory. God gave them the exact steps to take. And now they're excited about getting out, seeing what God's going to do during this time. If you snooze, you lose. I'm sorry. There it is in the word of God. (laughs) 
So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. Tekoa should be familiar. That's where the prophet Amos is from. The wilderness of Tekoa contained a sharp cliff and it was over to the east of Jerusalem. So where the enemy was going to be flanking them out, guess where they were going to be going? They are going to be pushing them right up against that sharp drop. And it was from that cliff that they would look and see the dead bodies of their enemies eventually. We'll get to that in just a moment. Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord, and who should praise the beauty of his holiness, as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. When they began to sing and when they began to praise, God gave them the victory. Praise as a weapon. Don't, don't focus on the issues at hand in your life. Don't focus on how impossible the situation may seem. You focus on the God that has delivered you and provided for you for so many years. You've seen him do it time and time again. If he can save my soul from hell, he can save anyone. If he can deliver me from habits and addictions, he can deliver anyone. And there's no one, like we learned this morning, there's no one so far gone that God can't reach his hand out and snatch them and pull them out of the situation that they're in. He's still the same God, and he wants you to live in victory. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. if you want to write that down, it says, But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have a point for the last. I just want to read through it and, and let you see what God provided, how he provided, and the blessing that was at the end of it. Verse 22, now when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon. Remember, Jehoshaphat didn't send out any troops, so we don't know who these ambushes exactly were, other than a miracle from the Lord. People of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Thus says the Lord, don't be afraid, for the battle is not yours but God's. For the people of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir to kill and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. So when you give all the glory to God, that leaves no glory for anyone else. When you give all of your praise to the Lord, your enemy is going to self-destruct eventually. So when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude. And there were their dead bodies fallen on the earth. No one had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies. Precious jewelry, which they had stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. 
And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. And on the fourth day, they assembled in the very uh, valley of Barakah. The name Barakah simply means blessing or praise. For there they were blessed, uh, they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the very valley of Barakah until this day. Then they returned every man to, of Judah and Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat in front of them to go back to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had made them rejoice over their enemies. So they came to Jerusalem with stringed instruments and harps and trump, trumpets to the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries. When they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel, then the realm of Jerusalem, uh, Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. The battle's not yours, it belongs to the Lord. If you're fighting it under your own strength, you're not going to gain any ground. If your eyes aren't fixed upon the Lord like Jehoshaphat's was in the beginning... Your eyes are in the wrong place. If you're not giving God all of the glory in advance with the confidence of that he's going to give you that victory, you'll never see the victory. When you use praise as a weapon, these songs of praise, that's what they're doing. They're songs of praise and adoration, honor for the Lord, and acknowledging him as the one who is in control of your life in every single aspect in every single area. So I hope this helps you, whatever enemy you're facing, whatever battle you're up against, you can have victory through the praise when you give all of your praise and honor and adoration to the Lord. Father God, thank you so much uh, for this powerful account, Lord God. We, We don't know what the ambushes were, We don't know what caused the enemy to begin fighting against each other. All we know, Lord God, is the promise that you said that the battle is not ours, but it belongs to you. There may be some here, Lord God, that are facing enemies that they don't understand. Maybe they haven't properly identified them. Perhaps they see other people fighting battles in which they haven't yet identified the enemy. So I pray, Lord God, that you'll help us to be vigilant in every area of our life. Help us to be alert, Lord God. Help us to be focused on the path that is before us. Help us to see the obstacles that are in the way. But most of all, Lord God, when those enemies from the past rise up, Help us to claim the victory over them by giving you the praise for what you're going to do. Lord, who who we were in the past, the person that we were in the past, that, that person exists no more. You have a future plan for us. Your word clearly says that you have a plan and a purpose for us. A plan to prosper and to grow and to serve you. So with all of my heart, Lord God, I praise you for who you are. With all of my heart, Lord God, I praise you in advance 
for those seeds that have been planted this week during VBS. I, I praise you in advance, Lord God, for each and every one of those gospel tracts that we leave out somewhere. That someone may come to know who the true Lord is and how they can have a relationship with Him. And I pray, Lord God, that when those times come, Lord God, when we don't know what to do, that our eyes will be fixed upon you and nothing else. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done and all that you're going to do. We thank you in advance for the plans and the victory that you have for us. And we just ask it all in the most powerful and mighty name that is above every other name, and that name is Jesus Christ. We just ask it all in your name. Amen. Preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about First Baptist Church, including contact info, go to the website www.fbcmc.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.